If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. I'm going to try to get through this message kind of quick because uh, Nancy has some things that she wants to know. Not, I didn't think it was. Amen. All right. So, so in 1 Timothy chapter 4, starting with verse 14. Driving down the road the other day, and how many of you know after you get certain, past a certain age that you just can't remember things? Right? You just can't remember uh, me and my me and my brother, we do a radio program, and we'll practice a song, and we have Nancy actually write it down right then and the key because when we get done with the song, we can't remember which one we sang, and you might not believe that I'm telling the truth on that. Okay, so there's a lot of things that we have to do, uh, and so we was driving down the road the other day, and the Lord gave me a word, and I said, Nancy, you need to write this down. Because I think this is what the Lord wants me to speak about come Sunday. Uh, we, we talk a lot about the anointing in this church, and the anointing is powerful. Hey, am I, is my voice too loud? You sure? Okay. So if I yell, will it be too loud? Okay, gotcha. I know he's going to keep me, he's gonna keep me uh, in line. Okay, so Wiz driving down the road, and I said, uh, here's what the Lord is saying to me. Kindle afresh the anointing. Kindle afresh the anointing. So I'm sitting there, and he said, now put this down. Viol the violent men take it by force. And I thought, wow, them seem like two opposites. And yet I thought, well, Lord, how are you going to put this thing together? Okay? So we'll just let him do the preaching this morning. Now, in, he, he's going to bring it up. Is anybody going to bring it up? I don't see anybody up there. That's fine. Oh, you're going to bring it up? Okay. Are you running both of them today? Wow. Well, okay. So one, one's on uh, uh, automatic pilot. So I, very, I just stay right here, right? Okay, gotcha, girl. Okay. So put up 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. This is what Paul is saying to Timothy. He's saying, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. How many of you see that? Now, now the laying on of hands, and and why do we lay on? Of, uh, why do we have the laying on of hands? Because there's a transference that takes place when we do the laying on of hands. So why do we lay hands on? Why do we lay hands on one, anoint him with oil, and then lay hands on him? Because Jesus said you'll lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover. And He says that because then there's a transference of the holy anointing that's either on the pastor or whoever is doing the praying that is going to be transferred to that one who is sick, okay? Many times, people have you ever just been so sick you didn't feel like praying? Have you ever been so sick that you didn't feel like doing anything? Uh, when, I, when I was in the hospital with my heart, uh, I can't not tell you that I was in a lot of prayer. I was just sick. And, and people just came and, and prayed for me uh, and I appreciated those prayers, but it was their prayer and by them laying on hands that helped me get through that. And so, so the church has done something, and here's what the church has done. The church neglects those gifts. We neglect the gifts. We are taught in our churches, especially our nominal churches, we are taught that the gifts of the Spirit are not for today. They was only for the apostles. Well, if they were only for the apostles, then how come Paul teaches Timothy? 
And, and I'm telling you, because Timothy wasn't an apostle. And, and how come that, that uh, Paul's writings and John's writings are for the future and tells us some of these things that we do? And so we, have, we neglect the gifts. We, we've neglected the offices, the fivefold ministry. And now we don't even preach about the blood of Jesus because many find that offensive. And so, you know, we don't, we don't speak about the shed blood of Jesus. We don't talk about the resurrection because we quit believing in the resurrection. And there's some things that we just don't do. I think that the Apostle Paul knew that day was coming. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verses 39 and 40, it's an interesting thing what Paul says. Paul is speaking about how tongues ought to be used in the church. And when there's a message given in tongues, there ought to be an interpretation of that tongue. It's also, he says, the one who gives a tongue, if no one interprets, should be able to interpret the tongue. So when Stan gave that, I mean, that message in tongues today, and this young lady did, then Stan or this young lady should have had also knew the, the interpretation of that tongue if some wasn't doesn't give that tongue because he says this, he says if there's a message in tongues and there's not an interpreter, he said then just stay silent. And we know that. So we know that when the message is given, there has to be an interpreter, okay? And so what, what happens in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 39 and 40, is the interesting thing what Paul says. Paul says, he says, covet to prophesy. Now what I'm doing for you today and I teach you and preach to you, I am prophesying, okay? He says, covet to prophesy. He says, but forbid not the speaking in tongues. And we have absolutely forbid that in our churches. We have forbid uh, the speaking in tongues. And then he says something else in verse 40. Here's what he says. He says, he says and do all things in decency and in order, okay? Because the, the, the Holy Spirit is, is God of order, and so when, if I was to come into your house and you went to talk to me and I said, you cannot speak in your own house, you know what you'd do? You'd ask me to leave. And what we have done in the house of the Lord, we have told the Lord he cannot speak in his own house. Understand, when we, when we forbid the gifts, when we for, get, forbid the fivefold ministry, when we forbid the use of the gifts in the church, then the Lord does not have operation of his own house. And by the way, listen to me, he will not abide in that house. How many of you understand that? He will not abide in that house. And that's why he says to the Laodicean church, he said, behold, I stand at the door and knock in Revelation 3.20. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will hear me and let me come in, I will sup with them. And in an interesting thing that he's knocking on the door of the church, and the church has to open up the door to let him in. Okay, so here's what Paul says to Timothy. He says, Timothy, do not neglect the spiritual gifts that is within you. And here's what he, why he's saying that, because if we do not neglect the gifts that are in us, then we have a fresh anointing, which is new every day. We have a fresh outpouring, which is new every day. How many of you want to be new in the Lord every day? I do, okay? So here's what I need to tell you, and you need to be able to hear this. Yesterday is gone, and it don't matter no more. How many of you heard that? Yesterday's gone. If you're a born-again Christian, and you, you keep thinking about your sins, then you're thinking about something that God doesn't remember anymore. 
And so if you're bringing your past up all the time and repenting from it, then you're repenting of something that you have no idea, that God has no idea what you're talking about because he forgot your sin. How many of you understand if he's forgotten your sin and he's the judge, then you forget your sin. Yesterday is gone. It doesn't exist anymore. And today will always be here 24-7. You are 24-7 in today. You are not in the future. You are not in yesterday. You are in the present 24-7. You are a right now people. And so God says this, right now your sins have been forgiven. You receive me as your personal Savior. Right now I'm going to forgive your sin. I'm going to cover you by the blood. I'm going to wash you by the blood that was shed on Calvary. And your sin is forgiven when you have made that choice to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And once you have made Jesus Christ your personal Savior, then you become a candidate for the baptism of God's Holy Spirit. And when you become a candidate for God's Holy Spirit, then God engulfs us and drops us into or baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. He fills us up. He lives on the outside. He lives on the inside. And with the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes gifts. I was on the USS Alabama in Mobile, Alabama, and I'm on this big ship, and there's gun turrets, and they're huge gun turrets, and the recoil of the gun turret, if, if the guns are set to the side, when they shoot those guns off, it will literally almost make that boat tip over, and then it'll, it'll set it straight. If they're shooting them forward, it will literally make that boat stop and back up. That's how strong those guns are. That's the gifts of the Spirit. Now listen to me. Here, here's what we got. You have to have a decking then that is, is a, a decking that's going to hold those gun turns because 140 men piece work on those gun turns. And so the decking is not just a little slab of steel. It is about 24 slabs of steel, about that thick, and, and the decking is probably two or three feet thick so that they can mount those gun turns because the, the recoil of those gun turns will just rip that deck off, okay? So the decking has to be strong. Now, here's where the Baptists get into it. The Baptists say that we live by the fruit of the Spirit, and I do too. Here's what the Pentecostals say. We live by the gifts of the Spirit, and I do too. Do you not understand that you need the fruit of the Spirit and the gifting of the Spirit so that you can be that battleship? Because I'm going to show you something, because we're in war, and we're in war 24-7. And you might be in a war right now. You might be in a tribulation right now. And so here's, here's what Brian Zahn preached some years ago. It's a great message. He said, you are either coming into tribulation, you are in tribulation, or you're coming out. Now, you can live so close to the Lord that sometimes you don't know that you are in tribulation. Many times you know you are. The Bible says when a woman was in tribulation, she took a hold of the word and she came straight up out of the wilderness. And why was that? Because the word works. How many of you know the word works? And so he says this, he says, neglect not the gifting, okay? Do not, he said, I want you to stir up the, the gifts, Timothy, which are inside of you. He said, I want you to stir them. He said, I want them to get moving inside of you so that you will be able to stir those people who you're with. Interesting thing about Smith Wigglesworth, and I tell John, he's Smith Wigglesworth. He hadn't got there quite yet. You know, but God's bringing him into that area. Easton, you might pray for your dad, okay, that, 
John brings, I mean, the, that John comes into that gifting. But, but here, here's the thing that Smith Wigglesworth said. Smith Wigglesworth said, if the Spirit is not moving, I will move the Spirit. See, we can have the Spirit of God in us so intense and so alive that it will affect other people and it will touch other people. That's called the anointing. He says, do not neglect the spiritual gift that's within you, which was bestowed. Now, that word bestowed means which was given to you supernaturally. And there's things that God is doing in our life that are supernatural. And so he, what he'll do, he will bestow the gifts upon us by the laying on of hands. And then what we need to do is that we need to use those gifts. Listen to me, you, you, when, when a gift is given, it's your choice then whether you use the gifts. And so when we look at the gifts, here's what the word says about the gifts. It says those gifts are subject to that prophet, not that prophet to the gifts. How many of you understand that? So the gifts are given and they're free and they're available. So God gives you a gift and then he doesn't tell you how to use it. You know, for instance, if God gave me a new truck. Anybody hearing that? Okay. If God gives me a new truck and God give it to me, I'm sure that I don't have to pray to him every time I want to use it. God, can I use it today? No. Okay. No, it's a gift. You get to use it any time you want to. How many of you understand that? If I give you a gift with restraints on it, then it's not really a gift. How many of you understand that? So if I give you a gift, it has to be free with no title to it. So he says, do not neglect, neglect the spiritual gifts that's within you, which was bestowed or given to you supernaturally on you through the laying on of hands by the presbytery. And the presbytery is the, highest, uh, is the highest court of men on planet earth. And what is the highest court of men on planet earth? Men who are filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing thing? The highest courts of heaven is God on his throne, Christ at his side, Holy Spirit, which abides in us, and we go into that courtroom, and when we go into that courtroom, God has opened up that courtroom, and the righteous scepter of righteousness is pointed towards us, and we can go into that courtroom, listen, with boldness and with confidence for anything. The Bible says for anything, for family, for work, for, for anything that you want to do, for your body, for someone else's healing, for, an, a, for a deliverance, uh, because there's addictions, anything. We can go to the Lord for anything. You can go to the Lord on my behalf. I can go to the Lord on your behalf. And he says this, he says the highest court in the land. What's the highest court in the land? Is when God baptizes someone with the Holy Spirit and they are willing to use the gifts that he has given them and not be embarrassed because we're embarrassed sometimes. And then verse 15 says, take pains. And when he says take pains, he says, see that you use them even when it causes you pain. Take pains with these things <clears throat> or put everything that you got into it with intensity. I'm a man of intensity. Have you ever figured that out yet? And, and I'm 24-7 God. I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm 24-7 God. And, 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 and if I'm not praying, God's praying. But I'm 24-7 God. I, I'm, in my sleep, there's God. And when I'm awake, there's God. No matter what I'm doing, there's God. I'm 24-7 God. Anybody else in here 24-7 God? Because 
We need to be 24-7 uh, God. He said take pains, and that means put intensity into it. That means put passion into these things. So your progress, he's saying, Timothy, so your progress, so you're maturing and you're growing will be evident, listen to this, to all. And what does that mean, that uh, uh, your progress? That means you're maturing and you're growing in the faith. and It'll be evident. And what does it mean it'll be evident? Christ in you, the hope of glory, will be seen by men. Will be seen by men. Can you ever just go up to somebody and ask them, is, are you a teacher? And they'll say, yeah, how'd you know that? It shows. Are you a pastor? Yeah, how'd you know that? It shows. Yeah, by, by the, your fruits, they will know you, right? But listen, it's by your life. Now, is, is Christ in you, the hope of glory within you? Because if he is within you, then the kingdom of God is within you. And everywhere you go, then the kingdom of God goes. Everywhere you go, if Christ is in you, the kingdom of God goes. And it ought to be evident to everyone that comes your way. You know what? You, you, you not, should not go into a restaurant with that waitress saying, man, I'm glad they're gone. Yeah. You shouldn't go into a restaurant and say that. You should, you should go into a restaurant and that waitress say, man, I, I'm glad that you came. Right? And so it needs to be evident what your progress in the Holy Spirit needs to be evident. It needs to be seen. It's called, it's called your witness. And people need to see God in you, the hope of glory. Because the only, the only Bible that a lot of people are going to read, and we've read it a lot of times, is this, that we are the walking epistle of the Lord. And the only Bible that people are going to see is what's in us. Because many people don't read this old word, and some of you in here don't read it. Not near enough. Okay, and, and you need to. So then it takes me into something, and so the Lord was bringing me into something, and so I went over to Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12, and, and she's going to bring it up. Watch this. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. But let, let me show you something about, about the kingdom of heaven. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. And the, violent, and, the, and the violent take it by force. Everybody say suffer. Okay, so when, when we say suffer, we think of pain. And we, when, we, when we think of suffer, we, we think of people coming against us. But that's not what that word suffer there means. That what Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me. And what he was meaning was when he said, suffer the little children to come unto me, he meant bring the little children to me. And so when he says the kingdom of God suffereth violence, it's not that, that the devil is coming against us like we think he is. It's that we are coming against him. We're, we're suffer, we, we say, come on, come on, church, let's get on board with this, and let's do what God is having, having us to do. Now listen to what he says here. From the days of John the Baptist until now, there's something about John the Baptist. Now listen to him. He was a 24-7 God man. Let me tell you what John the Baptist was. He was a severe man. He was very strict. He was beyond austere. He only lived for nothing else but to fulfill his role that God had given him. He was a herald, one that brings messages. He was a herald of the coming Messiah. He cared for nothing in this life. He ignored earthly gain and his passion, like Jesus, to do the will of God. 
you probably would have seen John the Baptist and you probably would not have liked him. He, like Jesus, went to the Pharisees and he called them names. And here's what most people does not know about John the Baptist. He was a priest. His dad, Zacharias, was a priest. And so he falls right in line with the priest. And the priest had on beautiful robes. And their robes was crimson. And their robe was purples. And they was different colors. And they was gold. And, and, and the robe and the turban of a priest was kingly. But not John. But not John. John wore, a, John wore sackcloth. Do you know what sackcloth is? It's burlap. He was dressed in the skin of an animal. And do you know what he had? He ate wild locusts and honey. He ate locusts and wild honey. And understand, the locusts, all he ate was grasshoppers and honey. And when they would come to him, they would look at him, and he was a pitiful thing. He never cut his hair. He probably never washed his hair. He was probably the one that come up behind that truck and took a hold of that tire and that jack and lifted that truck up and changed that tire. That's the kind of man he was, and that's the kind of man you would have looked down on, but he was so in tune with God that they could not keep themselves from going out there to him. I'm sorry I sprayed you there. When a man says, say it, don't spray it. It might not have got that far, but it almost looked like it. Okay. So, so John the Baptist wasn't nothing. He said, Jesus said to him, what did you go out to see? I guarantee you it wasn't a reed shaking in the wind. And he goes out and he said, "What? here's what you saw. You saw a man that was on fire for God and cared nothing for his life. We live the way we live because we care about this life. We care more about this life than what we think. And all you have to do is let that old ticker almost stop beating and you're going to want prayer. Let me tell you something about John the Baptist. He knew that he wasn't going to be very old when he died. He was about 30 years old when they lopped off his head. Jesus said of John, though, he is the greatest prophet born of women. How many of you know that? And do you know that John the Baptist never had a miracle in his life? John the Baptist didn't do anything but baptize people and bring them to repentance. Then why did Jesus say that John the Baptist was the greatest of all of the prophets, of Elijah, of Jeremiah, of da How come he said that? Because he was making straight the way for the kingdom of God for the Messiah Christ himself to come, and he was not going to be detoured. And let me tell you what he did. He, comes straight after the, he came straight after the devil himself. He came straight after as a violent person taking over for the Lord Jesus Christ. He came against the gates of hell. And what did John the Baptist do? He kicked asunder the gates of hell. The Bible says that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the kingdom of God. Listen to what it means. It doesn't mean that the kingdom of God is trying to get the gates not to fall in. It means that the gates, of, that the kingdom of God is going against the gates of hell, and the gates of hell cannot prevail because the church 
church of the living God is kicking asunder death, hell, and the grave, and the church of God is still those people who say we suffer the kingdom to come unto us. Amazing thing. He says this, John the Baptist is the least in the kingdom of heaven. He said, yet the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. If you're saved, you're greater than John the Baptist. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're greater than John the Baptist. And you know why you're greater? Because you're making straight the kingdom of God. Now, let me tell you something, church. You might not like this. You want to be passive, be passive, but you'll never be great. Understand that. Let me tell you something about the Roman soldier. The Roman soldier loved to go to war. He looked forward to being a soldier. And a Roman soldier did never back up. He always went forward. He always went forward. He was a conqueror. And what he was made for was to war. And that's what he was made to do was to be a soldier and take care of Rome and take care of Caesar. Understand what happens here with the Roman soldier. He is not going to back up. He is a soldier 24-7. He is going forward. And the only way you are going to stop that soldier from going forward is to kill that soldier. And do you know why that soldier would go for forward all the time because a, a Roman soldier found honor in death. See, one of the problems that we don't have in the church is we don't find honor in death. Listen to me, people, every one of you listening to my voice, if Jesus Christ doesn't come, you're going to die. You're going to die, and you're either going to make heaven your home or you're going to make hell the ever, everlasting damnation. But understand this one thing, every person here will die within so many years if Jesus Christ doesn't come. And Jesus Christ needs to be residing inside of us because when Jesus Christ resides in us and we die, we're just going to be relocated from here to there. But up until that time, now listen to me, because the true worshipers, and everybody's not a true worshiper, some people just go to church because it's social. Some people right now are in churches that are never going to hear about the Word of God. There's people right now in churches that are going to churches never going to hear about the gifts of God, never going to hear about the ministries of the Lord, nor are they going to understand anything about the blood of redemption. They're not going to learn those things. So they're not going to be 24-7 hot for the Lord. Listen to me about the true church, the true worshipers. They are 24-7 going after the devil's rebellion, going after Satan's kingdom. Understand this one thing. When Adam forfeited... And, and he handed the, the dominion, his dominion of authority over to the devil. The devil became the prince of this world. He is the God of this world, not Jehovah, not Jesus. He is the, he is the God of this world. Let me tell you what that, that, that God of this world has a problem with. He doesn't have a problem with Jesus. You know he's got a problem with? He's got a problem with the church that actually believe that they are the true worshipers of the Lord and that God resides inside of them and, they, and the devil has a problem with those worshipers that say with God nothing is impossible and they just go forward. The devil has a problem with Christians who will not back up and are in this fight 24-7. People say to me, do you look for the devil under a rock? I sure do. Do you look for him behind the corner? I sure do. Let me tell you something. I know what you like. You, you, you like if the devil leaves you alone, you're going to leave him alone. I know that. That's called being passive. 
But I'm not passive. Let me tell you something. I'm going after him, and the church of the living God is going after the devil. Now listen to what it says. Hey, would you put that back up? Again, uh, uh, Matthew uh, eleven twelve. Now watch this. And from the days of John the Baptist until when? Say it again. Now, until the days of John the Baptist, um, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth. Everybody say suffereth. Now, now just hold it up there for a minute because what that word suffereth means is that the kingdom of God is attacking the enemy. He is attacking the fortified cities of the devil. He's kicking asunder the devil himself. Now look what it says. And here's what it said. Suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. Who are the violent? The violent are men of God who are coming against the devil. Listen, the violent are the men of God who have allowed the anointing to take place in their life. The violent are those who are after the enemy, and the violent are those who say to the devil, you cannot have my family, you cannot have my church, you cannot have my work, you cannot have nothing that belongs to me. God has given those things to me, and if it just be a small bean patch and nobody else wants it, you can't have it, devil, because it's mine. How many of you understand it's yours? You can call back your health. I know some of you in here don't believe that, but you can call back your health. How many of you know you can redeem the times? The Bible, Paul says to the Ephesians, listen to what he says. He says, walk circumspectly before the Lord, or that's walk holy before the Lord. He said, redeeming the times, redeeming the days, because the days are evil. So in this evil day, redeem the days. You can redeem the days back with your children. You can redeem the, you can ask God to bring your health back. There's nothing impossible. Listen, the kingdom of God suffereth violence. And what it means is that violent men are taking this thing by force. You have, to, you have to get right down in this war and get angry at the devil. One of the problems that we have is people are not angry with the devil. I'm angry with the devil. I don't like what he does. I don't like nothing about him. And yes, I do. I, 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 I hunt him. Hey, what, isn't there a movie, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer or something like that? Oh, what are you chucking for? I've never seen it. Isn't there? I mean, but is she a vampire? Is she going after vampires, right? John, you, you've watched it. Easton's watched it. Oh, Christine's watched it. Okay. But, but she goes after him. Now, now listen to me. You've you got to go after the devil. I mean, I mean I, I'm in agreement with prayer with Doris because the enemy tried to take her daughter out. But we're, going, we're, we're being mean right now. We're, 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 going, we're violent right now towards the devil himself. And, and, and violent men, we're violent. There's a violence that should rise up within you to take control when you know the enemy's coming against your family, when you know the enemy's coming against your body, when you know the enemy's coming against your finance. There's a violence. There's a nature that should rise up inside of you and that you just want to go and kill that thing. Understand that everything that the devil does is never good is never good. And so the violent take it by force. Is this making sense to anybody? Okay. When Jesus starts to preach, he preaches the same thing John's preaching. And what does John preach? He's saying, behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. And that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is preaching the same thing. 
Behold, the kingdom of God. Behold, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And there's something that, that John did. Repent. Do you know that the first message of Jesus was repent? Do you know the very first message Jesus ever preached was repent? The message of John, the kingdom of heaven, is the same. The message of Jesus, the kingdom of heaven, is the same. The message of the church, the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, is just the same. It's just the same. When the kingdom of the gospel has been preached throughout the world, the end will come. And that's what Jesus said. They said in the, in the 24th, math, uh, 24th uh, chapter of the book of Matthew, they said, when will the end come? When is the end? How come everybody always wants to know when the end is? We, ask, we, we, we always want to know. When, we, we, listen, just live today and go after that old devil today. Go after him. I mean, you can go after him for every single thing that he's trying to bring against you or somebody that you love. The kingdom of God suffereth violence. And it means the church is rising up in the strength of the Holy Spirit and going forth and kicking asunder because we have a violent nature about us because we, we hate the enemy. We don't, we don't like the enemy. He's called the devil and his demonic spirits. And we hate him. And let me tell you something. We don't hate mankind. If you hate the Muslim, you're so wrong. If, if you hate the homosexual, you're so wrong. If you hate a man because of the color of his skin, you're so wrong. That, all that stuff is just wrong. If you hate a Russian because he's a Russian, that's wrong. A Chinese, that's wrong, people. That's just wrong. You understand things are with men because we haven't challenged the devil. That Things are the way they are because we will not challenge him. We're passive when we back up. Listen, you're going to hate. Let me tell you what to hate. Hate sin. Hate the devil. It's okay to hate him. You get the right to hate him. And you get this nature inside of you, this warring nature inside of you that wants to come against the, ki the kingdom of the devil. You say he's got a kingdom? Absolutely he's got a kingdom. If you're not saved, you're part of it. Why, why do you think you talk the way you do when you get angry? Why? Why? Why, why, do, you, why do you do the things that you do when you get angry? Why do you do that? Why do, why do you change from one person to the other person when you get angry? Because the devil has control of that. What happens to you when the, you say the devil can't have control of that no more? What happens to you when you say the devil can't have control of my tongue anymore? What happens to you when you say, you know what, the devil just cannot have control over who I am anymore? Or he can't have control over my wife or my kids or things of that nature. What What happens? What happens? Tony was sharing with us in, in the office uh, an experience that he had. And it was interesting, the experience that he had in a dream was the same thing that's going on in my message. And there was somebody else who was there, and, 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 and Pastor Don. These things happened to them this week, and God gives me this message. And I'm thinking, you don't think God's in tune with what's going on? Listen to what he wants us to do. He wants us to take an active part in our life. And you cannot take an active part in your life if you don't make that decision because God's not going to make you do things. He's not going to make you fall in love with him. He's not going to make you come into the kingdom of God. He's not going to make you do any of those things. You have to make that decision on your own to do those things. Yes, Christians can be out of the will of God, and they're out of the will of God every day. 
we're out of the will of God because we're not pursuing the kingdom of God. When we start to pursue the kingdom of God, the will of God comes into our life. And it's an amazing thing when the kingdom of God has been preached throughout the, 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 when the kingdom of the gospel has been preached throughout the world. That means men's lives have changed because of the gospel. Our life has changed because of the gospel. Everybody wants to know when the end times are. And Jesus said, you'll have wars and rumors of wars. We have that today. He said, you'll have famine in various places. He said, you're going to have earthquakes. You're going to have, you're going to have volcanoes. You're going to have famine. You're going to have, you're going to have pestilence. You're going to have that. He said, you're going to have, but he said, the end hasn't come. He said, here's the end. When the gospel of the kingdom has been preached to the four corners of the earth. You know why Jesus hasn't come yet? Because the kingdom of God hasn't been preached all over the world, right? We're not talking about the gospel. People misconstrue the gospel. They say when the gospel has been preached all over the world. No, sir. No, sir. No, sir. Doesn't say that. Doesn't even make mention of that. It's when the kingdom of the gospel has been preached all over the world. What's the kingdom? We have come into a kingdom. And we have come, become into a kingdom which God made us citizens. And let me tell you something about that kingdom. The kingdom of God is always at war. There is no peacetime in the kingdom of God. Like that Roman soldier was 24-7, we need to be 24-7, even in our sleep, that God touches our dream life because the Bible says when the Holy Ghost is poured out on us, it says this, and your old men shall dream dreams. And so dreams are very, I guess you're an old man, there you go. And, and so dr dream dreams, man, have visions. Let God do something inside of you because the kingdom of God is never at peace. The kingdom of war is at peace. Now listen to what it says. It says, and the violent take it by force. The violent. You need to get violent in your nature. When it comes to the kingdom of the devil, you don't get violent toward men, mankind. You need to love mankind. You need to preach the gospel of the kingdom to mankind. But if there's violence that's going to take place in you, it needs to be directed right at the enemy. It needs to be directed right at his demonic spirits. It needs to be directed right at the gates of hell. Listen, the church is kicking asunder the gates of hell. How do I know that? Because Jesus said so. He said, and the gates of hell cannot prevail. Listen, there is a darkness in the world, and the darkness is not the, the kingdom of God. The darkness is the kingdom of Satan. How much darkness is in your home? How much darkness is in your home? Let me ask you this. I'm not meddling. I'm just saying. Do you find it hard? Do you find it hard to serve the Lord? Are there so many pleasures out there that you need them? Do you find it hard to serve the Lord? There's a lot of people find it hard to serve the Lord. They want both. And it's an amazing thing what Jesus said. He said, you can't have both. You're going to serve one or the other. Either you're going to serve God or you're going to serve mammon. And mammon is, is, is greed and riches. Either you're going to serve the way of this world or you're going to serve God. Listen to me. They are hostile towards each other. They do not like each other. Do you understand there's things that God don't like? And God doesn't like sin, and God doesn't like the devil. The world right now is in darkness. How do I know that? Because of hate, lust, pride, envy, greed, sorrow, sickness, 
and death that's in the world today. The kingdom of heaven. There's light. There, and, and it destroys the darkness that's in this world. Somebody says, St. Joe is really a dark place. Okay, then that means that your ministry should be great. We don't like it because it's such a dark place. Why not? That's your battlefield. That's your mission. Go after it. The kingdom of heaven is light. Now, I'm coming, coming to an ending of this message, and everybody said, okay, John, I got one more page. That was just for you. John said amen. Smith Wigglesworth there. Okay. The kingdom of God has to be forcefully laid hold of. You have to go say, let the Lord fill you up and start to hate the things of the devil. Here's violent men. Here's the violent men of God. They have vigor. And they're totally committed. Totally committed. Violent men take authority over darkness and drive it out with the kingdom of heaven. Violent men take authority over the darkness and drive it out by force, which is sickness and death. Violent men are turning the dominion of darkness upside down and bringing Christ into everything. You've got to ask yourself the question, are you violent? Here's what you've got to ask yourself. Is this message to you appalling or is it victory? Because it's one or the other, one or the other. When we pray your kingdom come, we strike violent blows at Satan's kingdom. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Then that means vows healed. Because there's healing in the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Means that your family's healed. You speak that. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Means that you have dominion over your own body in the name of Jesus. You're all going to die. The Bible says that. And listen to me right now. If you don't hear anything, listen to this one. Hebrews 9.27 says, It's appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. you got an appointment day with God. I have an appointment day with God, <clears throat> and none of your prayers are going to stop that. <clears throat> when that appointment day comes due, <clears throat> you're not going to pray me out of that thing. But I can tell you this, if your appointment day is not doing the devil's trying to take you out early, we can take dominion over that. But I can tell you this, if you're in love with the Lord and you're 24-7, you don't think about death. All you think about is in that you're in this war and you're going after the darkness of the devil himself. Is there darkness inside of you? You've got to ask yourself that question. And if it is, how do you remove it? You remove it through the Lord. When praying, your kingdom comes. We strike, we, we strike blows to Satan's kingdom. Even though Michael and his angels won the war over Satan, we read that in the book of Revelation, the church is still at war. We're at war right now. Here's what the NIV says. I like this. Violent people have been raiding heaven. I mean, have been raiding the devil's kingdom. I'm sorry. Violent people have been raiding Satan's kingdom. The ESV, violent men take it by force. Here, here's another translation. I like it. Violent people are attacking it. 
attacking the gates of hell. Violent people have an intensity. Violent people in the kingdom of God are into spiritual warfare. And they don't look out just for themselves. They look out for the kingdom and the brothers standing beside them. The kingdom of God comes with holy power. It comes with magnificent energy that has been pushing back the darkness of Satan from John's day until this day. Carson's commentary, the kingdom of God is making great strides. Now is the time for courageous souls, forceful people to take a hold of it. Spurgeon says this, you can't be passive when it comes to the kingdom of God. He said, fall on your knees in agony with prayer and putting forth afterwards your trust with the same intensity towards heaven and you will never be disappointed for the violent take it by force. You fight your war on your knees. You fight your war with your testimony. You fight your war, listen to me, with experience in Christ when you say to a demonic spirit, come out of him and don't return. You strike a blow against the devil every time somebody's healed. We went, we went and seen Jerry Duffus yesterday. And he was talking to us. And when we, he was in the hospital and they said, call in the family. You're going to die. He's going to die. And they called in the family, and Christine called me. Now, if I'm exaggerating a little bit, let me know here. Just wave your hand, don't say anything. But they was giving him a heart medication to keep his heart going. And they could only give him so much of that because the medication then afterwards would have killed him. So he, he's, he's just got a lot of time. Here's what he said. He said, I knew I wasn't going to die, didn't he? He said, I'm just waiting for you to come. That's what he said. I thought, what a testimony. He said, I wasn't, he said, I, I, he said, I, he said, I, I knew I wasn't going to die. Did he not say that? He said, I'm just waiting for you to come. And he heard it out loud when people was talking about him dying. Is it kind of, this is kind of humorous. Well, after we prayed for him, and his vital signs and everything just started coming alive. Man, I mean, God touched him right there. Is that right, Christine? Boom, God touched that man right there. Everything started coming alive. And I said, Jerry, we're going to Alabama. And Linda, his wife, said, well, who's going to do the funeral? Jerry says in his heart, there's not going to be a funeral, Linda. Get violent in your spirit. Not, not violent towards people. No violence towards people. Hey, hey, listen, don't hate the Muslim. Pray for it. Don't, don't hate somebody that has their sexual identity all messed up. Just pray for them. Pray for people. Pray. That, that'll change people. But have a militant spirit about you. And start commanding in the name of Jesus. Just command in the name of Jesus. Start taking declaration over things in your life and declare it. If you're older like some of us, declare that your brain is solid for the Lord. 
I do something that's kind of strange. I know. I practice praying now. Anybody ever do that? You ever heard of that even? I practice praying. So I'll sit, I'll sit on the side I'll sit on the side of my chair and I, I start practicing on how to pray. Now, when I get into the real thing, that's different. But I, I know Doris is looking at me. That's the strangest thing I've ever seen. But I practice praying. Listen, you have to have a violent nature when it comes to the darkness of the devil. Your family's in jeopardy. Go after that family in the name of Jesus because the enemy's just put his stamp on it. You're a tither, and your finances in jeopardy. Just go against the enemy right now, the darkness. Something happened to you physically and it's taken place. Go against that darkness in the name of Jesus. Get a violent nature. Would you put it back up one more time, and I'll read it. Matthew 11, 12. Let's stand. I'm going to read that, and as you're standing, I'm going to read a few more things. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Listen, the anointing no one can give you, only God. What you do with it is your choice. You can walk out of here today defeated, or you can walk out of here victorious, but it'll be your choice. Men who are violent use force. Only those who grasp the kingdom of heaven know what it's like to go after the, the devil. In 1 John, and put it up, 1 John 2.27, I give that one to her. I'll pay attention, church. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you. And you need not and you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things and is true and is not a lie, and even as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. Now listen, the anointing has taught you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, strategies towards the enemy, he's going to tell you what's true and what's a lie. He's going to teach you what has been taught, believe or not, because that anointing abides in you. It abides in you. You want to take that? That anointing abides in you. Now I'm going to ask Doris to come to the piano and, and play I Surrender All. No, play, what's that Billy Graham one? Huh? Just as I am, yeah. I like that. Touches my heart. Okay, listen to me. Some of you are going through some things. Lay it here right now. Some of you are sick. We will pray for you. If you're not saved, you need to come into the kingdom of God right now. If we pray for you and God heals you, but you don't give your heart to the Lord, what good is that? God will heal you. Physically, and he'll heal you spiritually. He'll heal you mentally. So if you've never given your heart to the Lord, why don't you come to the altar right now as the Holy Spirit is calling you?